Okay, good evening, guys. How are you doing? Are we sleepy? Let me try that again. Good evening, HTWC. How are we doing tonight? That's better. So I want to welcome you guys. Thank you for coming out to Wednesday night service. We're super glad you all are here. Um, Pastor Dave and Pastor Katie are in Dallas in a conference um, with Pastor Gerald Brooks, but they will be back on Sunday. And Pastor and Miss P are in Big Bear praying for the new year. So we'll say hi to them online because I'm sure they're watching us. They love you guys and wish they can be here. Um, so with that being said, let's go ahead and stand up and start out with our USA confession. Here we go. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you guys can go ahead and be seated. I have a few announcements. Who likes announcements? Aren't they great? So tomorrow night... Say tomorrow night. I want to make sure you guys are listening. I teach kids a lot, so you got to deal with me, okay? Because I make you guys repeat stuff to make sure you're listening. Okay, so tomorrow night at 7 p.m., we are going to have a servant leaders leadership meeting in Victory Hall, okay? And basically what that is, if you want to get connected a little bit more, if you want to move into ministry and you want to do stuff and you want to get hooked up, please come to that meeting, okay? It's going to be a lot of fun and it's a lot of knowledge and it's a way for you to see what we're doing behind the scenes. So tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Um, also, the Burrito Bros, who's been following them? Does anybody watch their videos? Right? Isn't it great? And they're getting people to actually come to church. So Alex Church is inviting all these people to come to church. And people are coming to church because they want to see the Burrito Bros. So isn't that cool? Um, but the Burrito Bros wanted us to announce that they will be in the parade um, this Saturday at 6. I think the parade starts at 6 p.m. So they're going to be in the parade this Saturday at 6 p.m. Um, if you want to come hang out with us, we normally find a spot by Wiener Snitchels. And we all just kind of hang out and watch the parade go. And then as um, Alex or the Burrito Brothers go through, we can scream and holler for them. We also have some Excelsior kids that are um, on a float as well. So we can just scream and, and shout for all the kids that are in the parade this year, right? So that's Saturday. The parade starts at 6. But I'll tell you that the Wiener Central parking lot fills up really quick. So you may want to come early to mark your spot, okay? So come a little bit early. Make sure to bring lawn chairs because there's nowhere to sit. So you got to bring lawn chairs. And we're just going to have a good time and hang out, right? Um, the BCMA Christian Business Lunch is Thursday, November 2nd from 12 to 1 at Crossroads Assembly. And they're having a free tri-tip lunch. So if you're a business owner... 
We want you there so that you can connect with other Christian business owners, right? So it's going to be a good time. It's not going to be that long, but the food's going to be good and the fellowship's going to be great. So who doesn't want a free fry tip, tri-tip lunch? I do. That sounds yummy. So come on out. There is um, a registration form so that we can kind of keep track of how many people are going to be there. So we do ask that you can pre-register, please. Um, don't be like me and don't pre-register for things pre-register. It helps us out. Um, Enriched Food Pantry is in need of volunteers um, at the HDWC Midtown. There is a sign-up sheet in the back. Um, so if you're willing to donate some time and go out and help them, um, there's different ways you can get involved. So if you just want to know more, fill out your name and your phone number and somebody will contact you and tell you what's going on, okay? Also, Next Friday, October 27th, from 6 to 9 p.m. is what? It's Harvest Fest! And I'm super excited. We were ordering stuff the other day, and Renee's laughing at me because I'm like a little kid, and I'm like, I'm so excited! Um, it's going to be great. There's something for all ages. We are looking to do a 1,000 candy bags. That's what we promised the community was a 1,000 candy bags. So we are still in need of candy, 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 Okay. The competition ends, guys, on Sunday. That's it. The competition between the children's and the youth group, it ends on Sunday. And I'm telling you right now, we still need a lot, a lot, a lot of candy. Um, we like to bless the children. We love the little children in the youth group. Um, so we want to make sure that we're able to give them a good-sized candy and bless them. And, and, and every single candy bag is a flyer to tell the kids about Jesus and then in the back is how they can ask Jesus into their heart. It's a little salvation prayer and um, the character's name's on there. One of them's name is Annie. That's for you. So anyways, I just thought I'd share that. Um, but they're really cute. It's a little comic. Um, it's a little comic Bible study for the kids. Um, so that's really exciting. So we need candy, candy, candy. Um, and we also need hot dogs. So I'm going to sign, I'm going to pass around this sign up sheet for hot dogs. Um, we give away free food. We give away hot dogs to, um, anybody that can't afford food. So we're asking for about a thousand hot dogs, but also Billy's kitchen will be there and she'll be selling stuff. So if you have money, you can buy from there. Um, but we like to make sure that we have something for the families that can't really afford to buy anything. And we have a great hot dog crew that loves to make hot dogs and pass them out. But we need a thousand hot dogs. So help us out. So if you're bringing hot dogs, we also ask that you bring the buns as well. Okay. So whatever amount of hot dogs you're bringing, please bring the same amount of buns. Okay. Um, also, we do a fun little game. We do the cakewalk. Has anybody ever done a cakewalk before? We do it a little bit different here at HDWC. It's a scripture cakewalk. So as you walk around and you get a number, in order to win, you have to read the scripture. So they're giving the word. They're saying, they're speaking the word in order to win a cake. Okay? So we need your help with that. Um, Betty over here. Betty, raise your hand is an expert at how to make one box of cake mix and then like five different cakes. So if you have any questions, see Betty, because she's amazing at that. Um, but we need as many cakes as possible. Um, that game is everybody's favorite, and it's busy, busy, busy all night long. So we'll take anything. We'll take cookies. We'll take brownies. It doesn't have to just be a cake. Um, so just bake your little hearts away, okay? 
Also, um, this Sunday is one of our last fundraisers. We're doing breakfast burritos. Who likes breakfast burritos? Right? Um, Billy is making those, so they're going to be awesome and amazing. Um, you can either get bacon or sausage, or for a little extra more, you can get a combo with both, okay? Um, so there's a sign-up sheet back there. You can either pay now or you can pay the day of. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, okay? Um, also, we need a lot, a lot of help for Harvest Fest. So if you haven't signed up yet, we need all the help we can get. We are asking... That if you're 16, you have to be 16 and older to work a game by yourself. But if you are younger, don't be discouraged because we can assign you to an adult to be a helper, okay? But we need all the help we can get. We ordered some new really cool games this year. So I'm really excited about that because new games are fun, right? Um, so it's going to be amazing. But what happens is if we don't have enough workers, we have to start taking away certain games so we want to make sure that we have enough helpers we're only asking you to do a you do one shift there's two shifts there's a first shift and a second shift if you're willing to do both shifts that's fine but we're only asking you to do one um so that is at the info booth so if you haven't signed up yet to help please do so now with that being said is there anybody here that is here for the first time or the first time in a long time Raise your hand really high for me. We got something special for you. So if this is your first time here or your first time in a very long time, raise your hand. And we've got a little um, sheet for you to fill out. And when you're done with that sheet at the end of service, if you go right there to the little info booth, we got a special gift for you. So hi, welcome. We're so glad you guys are here today. Thank you for coming. Okay, I think I got through all the announcements. I think I did it, guys. Yay. So now, who knows what time it is? It's happy time. I get really excited to talk about the offering because God has done so many great things in my life that when I get to talk about that, I get really excited. Um, so I'm going to share Luke 638. And while you guys are looking that up, I'm just going to tell you a little story. Okay, who likes stories? Um... I remember, and Pastor's been talking, and Josh and Julie did part of the um, the sermon the other night about finances, right? Well, when we, if you guys know me and my husband's story, like, we didn't really have anybody to teach us anything, and we were stupid with money when we were younger. Like, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know how to handle our finances. We would juggle, like, okay, I'll pay $50 on a light bill and maybe $25 on groceries, you know, and we, we just struggled. Like, it was just a struggle. And I remember coming to church and hearing pastors talk about giving and Luke 638 and how the blessings come to give and how God wants us to be able to have more than enough to take care of our families, but also to take care of others. And I remember sitting in the chair one day and I'm asking God, like, how do I get to that place? Like, I want to be that person. I want to be that person where I don't really have to worry about my bills being paid or how I'm going to make it there. But not only that, God, I want to be able to be the person that represents you that is able to go to other people when they're in need and help them and be able to give and you know be able to to just help people financially and whatever you need me to do god i don't want to be scared when you know there's 
something you're telling me to do. And I'm like, God, how am I going to do that? Like, I can't do that right now, right? And so I really started um, focusing in on this verse and just giving a little bit more. You know, I would give little by little, you know, just just a little extra here and there, you know. And when I came up to the offering, you know, pastors always say that when you bring up your offerings, you know, you thank the Lord for what you got and you just quickly, you know, make a faith confession or whatever it is when you drop it into the buckets over here. Um, sorry, if you guys need an offer uh, envelope, please raise your hand in one of these lovely... Um, ushers will give you an envelope. Um, but I remember sitting here and just asking God, like, what do I got to do, God, to get to this place, right? And the Lord began telling me, you know, that verse, when you're faithful with little, I'll give you much, you know? And I'm like, God, I'm not real faithful with little right now. <laughs> like, I'm struggling, you know, we're struggling. And God had to teach us just to continue to trust him, continue to give our tithes, continue to give our offerings, you know, continue, continue, continue. And God has just made it to a spot where, you know, we are able now to give and to help people, you know, and it's just such a, it's such a great honor. It's such a great feeling to be able to say, Lord, this isn't my money. This is your money, you know, with our extra, like, God, what do you want us? And me and my husband, were always praying like, okay, God, what do you want us to do? You know, we have, we've got this, but like, where do you want it to be? Where, Where do you want it to go? And I'm telling you, our needs are always met. God always meets our needs. You know, I haven't struggled in a long time with my lights being shut off or, you know, not having food for my kids or not having my pantries full, you know. And I'm telling you, I got teenagers. They eat a lot. And the prices of food have went up. You know, but I, we don't, we don't really notice that because we trust God so much. And I look at my pantry sometimes, I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. My pantries are full. Thank you, Lord. My freezers are full. You know, so I want to read Luke 638 with you. Are you guys ready for that? And if you don't know this verse, you should put this verse on your refrigerator. You should really get to know this verse. And I guarantee that our children's church knows a little dance to this verse. Um, so, um, Luke 638, did I say 613? Sorry, Luke 638. Sorry about that. I'm waiting so you guys can see. Okay, ready? It says, give and you will receive. You'll give, your gift will return to you in full pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. You know, and I always say that God doesn't want us to be selfish. You know, God wants us to be blessed so that we're able to give. And I always, I always talk about giving being a heart condition. You know, like when we give with a good attitude, God just blesses us back. He just gives us, you know, more and more. He, he provides for us. He provides the things that we need. But we have to give for the right motives, for the right, um, with the right heart, because we love the Lord and we want to be that reflection of what Jesus is in our life. So with that being said, I hope I helped somebody today with my story. Um, but we're going to go ahead and say our wonderful financial faith confession. So go ahead and stand up with me. And here we go. As we bring the Lord's tithes and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, 
debts paid off, royalties received, blessings that increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The altar is open if you guys want to come up and worship with us.
Make your way back to your seats. I don't, can you all hear me? There we go. If we, want, if we want, we can have all of the children uh, go back to the lobby and meet their teachers. Uh, and they're going to move on to their class tonight. So they don't have to sit here and listen to me. My son who's leaving right there in the orange shirt, says amen to that. <laughs> um, uh, we've got a lot of, seems like a lot of new faces tonight. So for anybody that uh, doesn't know me, I'm actually Pastor Dave's older and more handsome brother. Amen. So, uh, yeah. I'm the one that's not, a, not afraid to let my mustache grow. He's too chicken to do it, so... I don't know why he keeps asking me to preach, because every time I do, I make fun of him the whole time. But he's my little brother. I have to. So I'm uh, Pastor Josh, and uh, glad to have you all tonight. So um, I guess let's go ahead and get right into the message. My title tonight is actually, um, if it feels good, don't do it. Probably. 
And so uh, if it feels good, don't do it, probably. So uh, if you want, uh, you can follow along with me. Uh, we'll do our best to make some sense of this. Uh, and uh, so the reason I've uh, done this is because um, one of the biggest lies that our modern culture has taught us is that we should always follow our hearts and that if something feels good or if it feels right to us, we should do it. But uh, for those of us who have studied our scripture, we'll, you'll realize that the Bible actually tells us to do exactly the opposite of that in a lot of cases. Um, first off, if you're always following your heart, your heart will deceive you. Uh, Jeremiah 17.9, I'll have him put it on the screen. Uh, Jeremiah 17.9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And so, if we're always following our heart and following our feelings, the default state of the human heart is full of deception and wickedness. And secondly, following your feelings or doing what feels right to you will lead straight to death. <laughs> uh, Proverbs 14, 12. I'll have him put that one up there too. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So doing what right feels right to, to you will lead straight to death. And so what I want to talk about for just a few minutes tonight is a lot of people find themselves struggling with the same sorts of, of temptation, sin, struggles over and over and over again. Um, and so I want to talk tonight about our feelings and our motivations. Um, and if you want, let's flip over real quick to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21, and we'll go down uh, to verse 28. This is uh, one of my favorite uh, parables that Jesus told because uh, it's so uh, opposite to what a lot of people uh, in our modern culture think a lot of times. Matthew uh, 21, verse 28. And uh, I'll go ahead and read it for us. Uh, Jesus uh, said, But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, No, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyways. Then the father told the other son, You go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? He was asking the crowd, and they replied, the first one. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of heaven before you do. So uh, let's bow our heads, and I want to pray for us, and then we'll get right into what I want to talk about tonight. Um, Father God, in Jesus' name, we are so thankful for your word, Lord. Your word is just here to lead us and guide us in all truth, Lord. And as I do my best to speak your word tonight, 
I just ask that you'd help me to speak what you would have me to speak and not speak of myself, but instead speak of your Holy Spirit. And we just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the first thing I want to talk about tonight is, number one, our feelings do not have to motivate us. Your feelings, to be perfectly honest, are completely irrelevant. They do not matter. Now, our culture tells us that the most important thing we can do is follow our heart and follow our feelings. And I was thinking about it, and I think chick flicks are probably the worst at this. On top of being like the most mind-numbingly boring movies that you could ever watch, they all have like the exact same plot. <laughs> but how many of them, like, at the end you're applauding the guy because like some woman, like, she'll leave her boring old husband for the new hot guy at work because she's following her heart. I mean, and then we applaud it. Oh man, she followed her heart. Good job. <laughs> But honestly, that's not the right thing. Your feelings don't dictate what you do in life. Um, according to that scripture we just read, the son uh, who actually did the right thing, even though he kind of had a bad attitude, was the one who did the right thing. So I was talking to Julie about this. If I'm reading, if I'm interpreting this scripture correctly, the Lord would rather us do the right thing with a bad attitude than the wrong thing with a good attitude. Um, obviously the best would be to do the right thing with a good attitude. But uh, sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do. Like, uh, why aren't there more people in church tonight? Probably most of them, they just honestly didn't feel like it. They'd rather stay home and watch TV, or they're tired from work, or maybe they need to clean the kitchen or whatever. But they just honestly, it boils down to they just didn't feel like coming tonight. But honestly, we need to go to church whether we feel like it or not. <laughs> even in, the, in that the example of the sons that Jesus gave, even though the first son was the one that was right, I bet there'd be probably a lot of people that would praise the second son because he, he had good intentions. You know, he's like, sure, dad, I'll help you. And he had the right intentions. He just never got around to doing it. But intentions are not everything. There's the old saying that says, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. <laughs> um, many wives get angry at their husbands, uh, not because they don't do what they ask them to do, but rather that they don't want to do what they ask them to. Uh, and actually, this, uh, as I was getting this sermon ready, uh, I was getting ready to sit down and finally had a few minutes to myself. The kids are in bed. I'm going to sit down and start writing my sermon out. And Julie asked me if I can take a few minutes and help her do the laundry. And I'm going to be honest. I was like, my brain was in sit down. Men, us men, most of us can only think about one thing at a time. And we have to really shift gears to do something else. I was 100% in write sermon mode. And she says, hey, can you come help me with these with this laundry? You know, like, uh, if you want to have clothes to wear when you preach your sermon, you need to go over here and help me with it. I'm, I, just go with it. Just, see, I like it when she's in here when I preach, except for when she heckles me from the, 
you know, I realize every time I preach, usually it's Pastor Dave and my dad and mom heckling me from the front row, but they're not here, so Julie's picked up the mantle tonight. <laughs> but I stopped what I was doing, and I begrudgingly helped Julie with the laundry. Do you think that she cared one bit that I wanted to do the laundry? She did not care one bit. She just needed the laundry done. So I had a bad attitude, but I did the laundry, and I stand here clothed before you. And you can all say, thank the Lord for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, praise the Lord for that. Because she doesn't care whether I want to do it or not. She just needs it done. And God's the same way. He doesn't care whether you want to do it or not. He just wants you to do the right thing. Um, so uh, it's the same way with people that want to, you know, hesitant, hesitate to volunteer at church. A lot of people uh, don't want to volunteer because they're just waiting for the perfect position that they want to help in. Um, and, you know, instead of waiting for the perfect position, we just need to find out at church what needs done and do it, whether we feel like it or not. I was thinking about this. Ideally, my position would be uh, the breakfast burrito taste tester. But I don't think there's an opening for that right now. Yeah, it's someone already filled that one, unfortunately. So if any of you else were thinking of that, it's not available. But what I need to do instead is find a legitimate need, even if it's something, if it's something I really don't want to do, and I need to fill that need. So maybe... I don't feel like picking up trash after service, but if someone doesn't pick up trash after service, when we come in for the next service, there's going to be food and candy wrappers and all the, the, the trash that's all over the floor. Um, you know, the Bible always refers to Christians as sheep, and so my parents always called like the little pieces of trash that were left over after service, they called those sheep droppings. So, <laughs> I don't know. So I guess it's an old person joke or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But we may not feel like picking up trash, but it needs done, so we do it, whether we feel like it or not. I don't know anybody that's motivated to change poopy diapers. But someone has to do it. Otherwise, you would have all these screaming babies in here running around with poopy diapers. Whether you like changing poopy diapers or not, volunteer to help in the nursery. <laughs> Same thing with the kids' ministry. I mean, you think that having... Five kids that I just absolutely love kids, but that's not always the case. But <laughs> whether you are just love, feel called to children's ministry or not, sometimes it just needs done, and you need to go and help with the children's ministry. Another thing people get caught up on is giving. Giving is definitely something, um, not something that should be motivated by our feelings. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9-7 that we're not to give out of compulsion. Uh, it says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So in order to take our feelings out of this equation, the Bible actually gives every single Christian the same base amount that we're supposed to give. Does anybody know what that base amount is that we're all supposed to give? 10%. The Bible calls that a tithe. There's no feel, it's not if I feel like it or not. The Bible says every Christian is supposed to tithe that, give that 10%. Uh, 
that scripture I just read, each of us should give as we've decided or as we've determined in our hearts to give. A lot of people, I think, would hear that scripture and they think that the key word is heart, you know, that we're supposed to give as we've determined in our heart. But I think that the key word here is actually determined. We need to determine to give despite our feelings. Because our feelings don't matter. We're all called to give. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The Lord is a giver, so he expects his followers to be givers. We all have to give whether we feel like it or not. Uh, One definition of determined is just deciding to do something that you absolutely do not want to do. So we're supposed to give as we've determined in our hearts. That means even if it's something that you absolutely don't want to do, you still have to do it. And scripture does go on to say that God loves a cheerful giver. But I heard one preacher one time say that while God does love a cheerful giver, he has no problem taking money off of a grump. So, (laughs) Your feelings do not matter. We are called to give. Your feelings don't motivate us. Our feelings are not, should not be our motivation in life. Uh, has anyone in here ever wanted to play an instrument, like the guitar or the piano? Maybe some of you, I don't know. Maybe that's why I'm the only one up there playing right now, I don't know. But I guess the difference between, you know, those of us that were up there tonight, Chuck, Jose, everybody, and those who've thought about it and haven't actually done it is that us musicians practice whether we feel like it or not. We don't quit just because, you know, on the guitar the F chord is hard and it hurts our fingers. <laughs> we keep playing and practicing through the pain. And eventually, we, all of us musicians, guitar players especially, we've developed calluses on our fingers. And it hurts to do it, but now we can just play without thinking about it. But that's because we did something we didn't, our bodies didn't want to do, but we pushed through that pain so that we could have something greater. I wouldn't be up there leading worship if I hadn't practiced when I didn't feel like it. If I hadn't stayed up, you know, playing scales on the piano or practicing on my bass or my guitar. It's just something that we have to do. So ultimately, our feelings need to have no part in what we do. We just need to do the right thing. Our feelings and emotion, our emotions and feelings do not matter. And then number two, here's a big one. This is a big one. Uh, our feelings do not define us. This is something that a lot of people in this modern age struggle with. They think that just because they feel something, that defines who they are. And that is absolutely not the case. Look uh, real quick at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And verse 15. Excuse me. Uh, Hebrews 4.15. And it says, This high priest of ours, and this high priest is, uh, you'll notice that's capitalized because it's referring to Jesus. Jesus is what we consider our high priest. He's our ultimate priest. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So Jesus, all of the same feelings that we've all had, Jesus had those at some point. He had, Jesus felt like looking at, at uh, stuff he shouldn't look at. He felt like look, doing things he shouldn't do, but he didn't give in to it. 
But our modern culture has taught us that our feelings are the most important thing. As long as we feel like doing something, we should do it. As long as we feel like something, that's who we are. What we feel is what we are. And that is just not the case. Our feelings do not define us. There are tons of wicked, evil things that even, you know, 20, 30 years ago, people would not have thought twice about doing. But today, in this modern day and age, uh, we've told these people that they need to follow their hearts and do whatever makes them happy. We tell them that if it, it feels right to them, then it could not be possibly be bad. And that is just not the case. So, instead of pointing out what's right and wrong, which, by the way, pointing out right and wrong is the correct type of judging. There is a correct and an incorrect type of judging, and we won't go into that, but pointing out right and wrong, that's the correct type of judging. And as the church, we are supposed to do that. Pointing out right and wrong, instead of pointing it out to them, uh, we just let people relabel stuff. Tell them follow their hearts, and then we just name it something else. So, uh, you know, I'm not having an affair. I'm following my heart. <laughs> you know, it's no longer fornicating. It's sexual immorality. It's making love. It's not an abortion. It's, a, it's a, just a choice. It's not whatever sin you can think of in your mind. It's, it's just who I am. That's who I am. Because I feel like this, so that's who I am. But fortunately for us, our feelings do not define us. Just because we feel something does not mean that we have to do it. Just because we feel a certain way does not mean that that's who we are. A lot of uh, modern-day psychologists have convinced us that... Uh, that if we don't do what we feel, it's bad. That you, you shouldn't suppress your feelings. But there have actually been studies that show just the opposite of that. <laughs> that you're better off if you hold off these bad things that you're thinking. Um, there's a, little, a famous test they did uh, several years ago where they, uh, they set some kids in a room and they said, here's a marshmallow. You can eat this marshmallow right now if you want to. But if you wait five minutes you can have two marshmallows. And so like half the kids couldn't wait and just gobbled it up right there because they couldn't hold back their feelings. And about half of them were like, you know what, I'm going to wait it out and wait for this second marshmallow. Uh, and they actually followed these kids throughout their life to this study back in the 70s. The kids who just couldn't control themselves and ate it right away uh, were not nearly as successful as the kids that were able to, to hold back for five minutes because they knew something better was coming. The kids that were able to control themselves have ended up being much more successful in life. Here we are like 40, 50 years later, and they still follow these kids. The ones that were able to control themselves are much better off in life than those who just gave in to their feelings and did what felt good at the moment. So even though people tell us, you know, you've got to do what feels good, sometimes it's best to just hold back and, and do the right thing. <laughs> The real horrible people in lives are the ones who are unable to suppress their feelings. Can you imagine how awful the world would be if everybody always did exactly what they were feeling at the moment? Why do people steal or commit adultery? Because they don't know how to suppress their feelings. It's absolute insanity to think that it's bad to suppress our feelings and that we should always do whatever we feel. 
Now, most of us hopefully in here are Christians tonight, and I realize it's a little bit different for us. For, for non-believers, for people who aren't Christians, I will concede maybe they can't control their feelings. Maybe they have to do what they feel all the time. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but the Bible does say that before we became Christians, we were slaves to sin. And if you're a slave to something, then you have to do what your master says and not what you feel like doing. So maybe people who aren't born again just have no choice but to do wrong things. <clears throat> but as Christians, we do not have that choice. <laughs> we don't have to live the way we did before we were Christians because our feelings do not define who we are. What defines who we are is what God says that who we are. Maybe you feel like you're a failure or a loser, but Romans 8.37 says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Through Jesus, we're conquerors whether we feel like it or not. Don't let your feelings define who you are. Maybe you feel like God is a million miles away, but Hebrews 13.5 says that God never leaves us and never forsakes us. God is always with us once we're born again, whether you feel like it or not. We are not who our feelings say we are. We are who God says we are. And that's what we have to get in our minds as Christians. This is why we have forgiveness and redemption. It doesn't matter if we feel like it or not. Our feelings do not define who we are. Number three tonight, and this is a big one, our feelings do not control us. Our feelings do not control us. I talked about it a bit at the beginning, but some people are constantly struggling with the same sins over and over. And they're always praying that God will, you know, God take away this, this feeling that I'm having, take away this evil feeling. And the bad news is that God is never going to take away those evil feelings, ever. And the reason for that is because God is not in the feeling business. We saw in that, uh, that first scripture we read, God can care less what you feel like. He just wants you to do the right thing. You may have those same evil feelings for your whole life, but that doesn't mean you have to do them. The Bible says God's not in the feeling business. The Bible says that we walk by faith, not by sight. Another way of saying we walk by faith and not by sight is that we live by the word of God and not by what we feel. We live by the word and not by what we feel. So if we're focusing on the feelings, then we're focusing on the wrong thing, and you'll never be set free from those. Instead, let's flip over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and uh, look at verse 13. James 1, 13 through 15. And it says, And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone. Temptation comes from, and where does it say temptation comes from? From our own desires. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires... Give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So, feelings don't come from God, they come from our sinful flesh. The only way you're ever 
going to get rid of these evil feelings once and for all is to die. Because dead people don't feel anything. (laughs) Dead people don't struggle with sin, but for most of us, dying is not really a viable option. I kind of like living. Hopefully most of you like living. (laughs) So if dying is not an option and we still have these feelings, what is the solution? Flip over with me to Titus chapter 2. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Titus 2, 11 and 12. Uh, I'm going to read it out of the NIV because I really like the way it says it here. But it says, uh, verse 11, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So everyone in here that's born again, we believe that God has saved us by his grace. So grace is grace means that it's not something that we've done. It's just something that God has given us. He's given us the blessing of salvation by grace. And we, all of us that are born again and believe uh, in Jesus and are heading to heaven, we know that it's grace that saves us. But grace is so much more than saving us from hell. Look at verse 12. It, speaking about grace, so grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Grace is the answer. Grace doesn't mean that what we do doesn't matter. There's a lot of modern-day preachers that would tell you that because of the grace of God, we can do whatever we want. But they're missing out this entire verse 12 here. Verse 12 says that part of grace is it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It teaches us to be self-controlled. It teaches us to live godly lives. The grace of God is here. One of the, the grace is so multifaceted. Yes, we're saved by grace, but one of the powerful facets of grace is the ability to say no. So I was talking earlier about, you know, before we're born again, yes, we're slaves to sin. But once you accept the grace of God and become one of God's children, you have the grace which gives you the ability to say no that no one else in this world has. People that have not accepted Jesus do not have this ability to say no, but we have it. We have this power living inside us that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. You know, I was thinking about my wife. Maybe she feels like strangling me because I don't want to do the laundry. But that does not mean that she has to strangle me. She, By the grace of God, she said no. Even if the only reason she said no was because she did not want to preach herself tonight. <laughs> Maybe you feel like cursing uncontrollably. I know a lot of people that curse uncontrollably. But as born-again Christians... That does not mean that you have to curse uncontrollably. By the grace of God, you can say no and control your tongue. Maybe you feel the need to cheat on your wife. But that does not mean that you can't help but cheat on your wife. We have the grace of God, which teaches us to say no. Maybe you feel like you really love your boyfriend and you should sleep with him. But that does not mean that you cannot help but sleep with your boyfriend. That's not how it works. We have the grace of God, which teaches us to say no. 
There's a lot of people that think that the devil is out here literally making them do terrible things. I, I always think back, uh, back in the 70s, there was a famous comedian uh, named Flip Wilson. And he had this little a bit he would do where he would go around doing terrible things and he'd be like, but the devil made me do it. And that's not how it works. The devil cannot make you do terrible things. The devil does not force you to get up in the middle of the night and pull out your phone or your computer and look at porn. You're choosing to do that. But by the grace of God, you can say no to that. And just to be totally clear here, it is never okay for Christians to look at porn, ever. Whether you're married or single or male or female, Christians cannot look at porn. Jesus was very clear when he said, if you look at a woman with lustful with lust in your heart, that, you, that you've already committed adultery to her. So, praise the Lord, we have the grace of God which teaches us to say no to this godliness and to live self-controlled lives. We can say no to porn. We can say no to any of these things that we feel. The devil's not forcing you to take off your clothes and get in bed with someone you're not married to. The devil's not forcing me to say mean things to my wife. The devil cannot force you to do anything. We have the grace of God that allows us to say no. The Bible tells us to submit to God, and if we do that, we can just resist the devil, and he has no choice but to flee. If you're submitted totally to God, you resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Uh, one of the uh, d- uh, translations translates flee as running as in terror. Like the devil literally runs away from you in, in fear when you're submitted to God and you resist him in Jesus' name. The devil has no control over us. By the grace of God, we are all self-controlled. The Bible says we've been given the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. These are the things that the Lord gives us. So uh, we're going to get ready to wrap up here. It's getting a little bit late. But just to reiterate, our feelings do not have to motivate us. Whether you feel like it or not does not matter. You just need to do the right things. Number two, our feelings do not define us. What you feel does not define who you are. And number three, our feelings do not control us. By the grace of God, we have self-control, and we can control ourselves. Now, uh, if you'll remember, the title of my message tonight was, If It Feels Good, Don't Do It, Probably. (laughs) Now, I did say probably, and here's why. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So once you turn your life over to Christ, you're no longer led by your formerly sin-filled, wicked heart. Instead, you're led by the brand new heart filled with the Holy Spirit that the Lord has given you. And look real quick, one last scripture, Psalm 37, verse 4. Psalm 37, verse 4. This is a very, very famous scripture. And it says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Now, a lot of people uh, at face level, this a lot of people interpret this to say, you know, if you delight, take delight in the Lord, 
He'll give you anything your heart desires. And yes, the Lord does want us to have good things. The Lord does want to bless us. He does want us to have the desires of our heart. But an alternate uh, interpretation of this scripture I would like to consider is that maybe instead of the Lord just giving us anything that our heart desires, maybe he's the one that's putting the desires in our heart. It says he will give you your heart's desires. I think sometimes he's the one that puts desires in our heart. I was thinking of, I was just talking to my wife about this. Uh, She's never in her life had the desire to uh, go to college. She's just always wanted to, to, you know, just be home with the kids and everything. But as she's been praying and thinking about what the Lord wants her to do with her life, um, she felt the need to go back to college. And she suddenly had this desire to go back to college, which was never there her entire life. She's always told me she would never go to college. But I think that maybe as she was praying and seeking the Lord, the Lord gave her that heart desire. And so I'm very proud of her. She actually, uh, she's, uh, we won't say how old she is, but she started for the first time in her life college yesterday. I'm very proud of my wife. So sometimes the Lord giving us our heart's desires is him giving desires to us that we never would have had before. And, you know, if you're born again, you can follow your heart. You can do what feels good because the Lord gives you those desires that are good. So bottom line, if you aren't totally submitted to God, if it feels good, you probably should not do it especially when it conflicts with the Word of God. You can't trust your heart until you've totally given it over to God. But once you give it over to God, yes. That's why I said probably. Once you turn your heart over to God, you can follow your heart. You can do what feels good and what feels right because at that point, you can trust your heart. It's no longer filled with wickedness. Um, If you want, we can go ahead and stand up now. Uh, We're going to get ready actually to enter into a time of communion. Uh, tonight is uh, the third Wednesday, and I, to- I kind of spaced it. So, But Pastor Dave reminded me that on the third Wednesday, we take communion together as a church family. And so this is the time where we just take a few minutes, uh, and we remind ourselves that we're no longer slaves to those desires that used to control us. We're now completely given our hearts over to Jesus. And so we just take a minute to thank him and praise him for that. So... Um, If you want, uh, I'm going to have these guys just play and sing for us, and you can just make your way up to the ushers and get uh, your communion, and then we'll get on with communion tonight.
forgot to mention that uh, it's not a requirement to be a member of High Desert Board Center to take communion. All we require is that you have turned your life over to Jesus. And if you have not turned your life over to Jesus, come talk to me. And we will pray and we will help you turn your life over to Jesus. But uh, as long as you're born again uh, and you've given your life to Jesus, you're free to partake in communion with us. And so, uh, like I was just preaching on, just this is our time that we remember what the Lord has done for us. He's given us that grace that saves us, that gets us to heaven. Uh, but it all, He's also given us that grace that just helps us to say no to our to our sinful desires. Um, let me read real quick to us out of First uh, Corinthians chapter eleven uh, and verse twenty three. And, and this is the Apostle Paul speaking, um, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. He says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after, after supper, saying, This is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So every time that we take communion together, we're not just doing something just to say we did it. We're supposed to be remembering what the Lord did for us. We're supposed to remember his body, which was broken for us, and his blood that was spilled for us. And that's why it's so important that you have to be born again before you take in, uh, partake in communion. And the other thing is that the Lord says that uh, if there's anything wrong in your heart, you should repent of it before you take communion. And so uh, we take communion very seriously here at High Desert Word Center. Uh, and so uh, rather than just everybody just going right into it. We like to take a minute or two and just let everybody bow their head, close their eyes and and pray. And just if there's anything uh, that you need to get right with God, take a minute and just uh, uh, repent, apologize to God. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let's just take a minute here and just uh, make your, make things right with the Lord if you need to. Let's go ahead and take the bread. And this bread represents the Lord's body, which was broken for us. And let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we just thank you, Lord, for your body that was broken for us, Lord God. How you took punishment on the cross for our sins. Even though we deserve punishment, Lord God, you took that punishment for us. And every time we eat this bread, we're remembering the sacrifice that you made for us, Lord God. So as we do this, help us to just keep that at the front of our hearts and our minds, and we do it in Jesus' name. Amen.
and let's take the the juice and in the same way the juice represents the Lord's blood that was spilled for us so let's pray Father God in Jesus name I thank you Lord for your blood that you spilled for us so that we would not have to spill it Lord that your blood was spilled to wash away all of our sins like the old song says what can wash away our sins nothing but the blood of Jesus your blood washes away all of our sins Lord God and we are eternally grateful and thankful for that Lord God thank you Lord for your blood that was spilled for us and just help us to always be thankful for that and always grateful for the sacrifice you made for us in Jesus name amen amen so uh yeah, if you want, I think the ushers, uh, you can pass your cups to the aisle, into the aisle, and the ushers will take those cups for you. Um, it's a little bit late, so we'll get ready uh, to, to go here. But I always like to give people the opportunity for prayer uh, if they'd like it. So uh, if I have, can have my prayer team come up with me. Um, and if anyone uh, needs prayer tonight, uh, you can come up to anyone up here, and we would be glad to pray for you. Just give us hopefully five more minutes uh, and just sing along with these guys. Worship the Lord for a minute and then we'll uh, dismiss. But if anybody needs prayer, um, feel free to come up and we'll be glad to pray for you.
we'll get ready to to go ahead and and close out in prayer. But just let's be reverent. There's still some ministry going on up here, so uh, keep that in mind. Just be courteous and, and reverent. But let's go ahead and bow our heads and we'll pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we just thank you, Lord, for your word, because your word is truth, Lord God, and and I hope that I've delivered it in a way that is beneficial to people tonight, and I just ask that if there's anything that's not of you, that's of me, that it would just fall to the ground so that only your word remains, Lord God. I ask that you just help the people, uh, all of us, to take this word with us tonight and help us remember that our feelings don't motivate us, Lord God. Whether we feel like doing the right thing or not, we still need to do it, Lord. Help us to remember that our feelings don't define us, Lord. It doesn't matter if we feel a certain way. That's not who we are. We are who your word says we are, Lord Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that our feelings don't have to control us, Lord. We're not controlled by the desires that are around us, Lord God. Instead, through your grace, we have self-control. And we can say no to godliness and worldly desires that are floating around, Lord God. Uh, Help us to take this word and apply it to our lives. And bring us back again safely on Sunday. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, let's get ready to say the financial faith confession. I'll see if my wife can come up and help me with this. The Barstow Faith. I always say that. I'll have my wife come help me because I just want you to see how beautiful she is. Let's all say the financial faith confession. Okay, let's go. Um, No, wait. Did you say the financial faith? I admit the Barstow Faith confession. Barstow Faith Confession. Okay. For those of you who are new, this is, um, we have been speaking this over our city for what, since like 2020? Yeah. And um, it's just cool to see the things um, changing here in Barstow. So, um, and even if you don't see it, don't speak negative. Okay. You speak this. So let's go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. See you Sunday.